Hey everybody and welcome to episode 278 of Vigigame Game Apocalypse. I am your host, Swiss Army Gun Michael Raparez. Who else is here in the Tyler Wilde Memorial Studio of the Airwaves with me? Uh, Christopher, although I just saw Black Klansman and 302010 is celebrating that 70s show 20th anniversary, so call me Topher, Chris Antista. That is a hell of a nickname. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I got a plug and a thing I just did in there. Yeah, Look it's, forward it's to impressive. It. And underpowered pea shooter, pew, 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 Matthew Allen. And joining us for the first time, special guest, Edison Twins Invention, Johnny Brandon. <laughs> and where where might people have uh, seen your stuff or heard your voice, John? Oh, well, uh, mostly on the Square Roots podcast. Uh, for classic RPGs, sort of a game club, and and you and yeah. I have been following each other on Twitter for for a very very long time, a good decade. Yeah. I think I think you used to be dressed like Johnny Turbo in your user picture or something uh, back then. Maybe I don't. <laughs> I might have been wearing like a not a spy costume, but uh, oh yeah, okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, I was on an episode. It's really interesting. You, you guys do like deep dives into like an old game per episode. Do uh, I have that right? Usually, usually it's a we span like six to ten episodes talking about an RPG. We play the oh, whole man. way through a chunker at a time, and it's yeah. uh, it's a commitment. The, the one that You're I was on Final just, Fantasy VI. Yeah, we just talked about Waxwork. <laughs> the one I was on, which <laughs> I got to play for the yes. first time because of that, and that. That game was was uh, not as good as the Elvira games, but uh, mm. pretty fun. Few yeah. things are, John. Few things are. Yeah, <laughs> those games are awesome. I need to play those at some point, but uh, we're not going to talk about Waxwork or Elvira on this week's show. Sadly, God damn it! Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> gotta is... go. Sorry, <laughs> uh, this is not as promised and sold to me. Damn it. Uh, well, no, I'm just pulling the rug out from under all y'alls so that we can talk about starter weapons or starter gadgets that are better than anything else you get later in the game. If the games that we'll be talking mm. about in the top five are games where you can get a lot of stuff, a lot of different guns, a lot of different vehicles, cool stuff, but somehow it's never quite as fun as the very first thing that you get. Even though it might seem small or weak, it might end up being the most useful thing you have in your arsenal. What inspired this topic? Well, actually, this topic was inspired by Awkward Zombie, which is a webcomic about mm. a character in one of the games that we're going to be talking about looking over a huge arsenal and saying, like, now nah, just use this basic thing because it's more fun than anything else. It's like, that is a great idea. I'm going to steal that. So thank you, mm. Awkward Zombie and Katie Tiedrich, for coming up I with thought you all were uh, biting that Dead Cells... Uh Ooh, not a Dead Cells cookie like I am every night. Um, so you just you that, just have more fun with the starter blade than anything else. No, it, it's a, you think you do, and then it like constantly makes you try new things in a way that's delightful. Hmm, so whereas I'm not a guy who would try new weapons, but it makes you do that hmm. uh, by randomly cycling out. So I, I I can't explain it very well, and there's not enough time in a two hour podcast. <laughs> um, but, so you're playing. But it does. It does. You're playing GTA. Forced, you just steal one gun from a cop, and then that's your gun. The rest of the game is that how it works? Yeah. If, if that's the way you want to play, you could go like mm. entire play sessions without finding your your preferred weapon ever. That's true. So you got to learn new shit. It was. It's really anyway. That's what I thought. I thought it's you like were playing life. that because of my if recommendation. Just stick to what's familiar and comfortable. You'll miss out on your favorite thing. Right. Wow. There's Bueller. You got to roll with them yeah. punches. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. 
So, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. So we're, we're recording this in advance, so this is going to be a somewhat shorter show than usual, possibly. But we will dive right into our top five right after this. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show 302010. Here's a clip from 1988. <laughs> But there's something I think even more notable on August 6th. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> August 6th. Uh, let's see if the, if the old people out there can get this uh, from the theme song. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's Yo! MTV Raps. Yes. Oh, my God. I, right. I was fucking baffled. This show is created by Ted Demi. This is a huge deal mm-hmm. that this got on the air at the time that it did. Like it, is. it was, it's really revolutionary. It is, and like I, I love if you grew up. I think let, let me see here. The show lasted for until 1995. Ran mm-hmm. for over uh, almost 2,000 episodes. Oh my lord! Most of which was a two-hour block. Um, it's name-checked in a bunch of mm-hmm. rap songs. Because at the time in hip hop, it was like a hallmark. If you hit this spot, you're going to brag about it. You can hear sure. it in. Ice Cube's uh, Today Was a Good Day. Mm-hmm. I believe MC Hammer shouts them out. And have you seen her? He shouts out Ed Lover and Dr. Dre. No, not that one. But yeah. this Bizarre is that there are two Dr. Dre's. I think the story goes. One has an MD, one has a PhD. So that's how they <laughs> tell them apart. <laughs> Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on LazerTimePodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. And we're back with what, Chris? Uh, starter weapons that rule ass? Yes! That's an even better way to say it. Rule mm. ass. I guess, if you're putting it through Babblefish. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, whatever happened to Babblefish? Is it still alive? I'm looking it up right now. Mm. It's probably, it probably just goes to Google Translate now. I think that meme became people who do machine learning and then have the thing write scripts for them. That's basically the equivalent of Babblefish now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's still there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Wow. I have to try out its terrible translation algorithms later. So let's jump in with... Number five. I know that sound. Excuse me? Yeah, what is it? Is that the Red Faction Hammer? I thought that was! That I is! That's what it was. This was your suggestion, so thank you for <laughs> saying it. Like, just something in my mind went off like, oh shit, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, that's going in. Uh, Did anybody play that remaster? Yes. I have been, yeah. Is is it worthwhile checking out? Because I never really got to dig into the first game beyond, like, previews. I mean, it's it's a much better looking version of the first game. Like, the, the, graphic, the, the graphics are a lot crisper and higher resolution, although they look the same as they did years ago. Otherwise. Yeah, there's not a ton of difference. It runs really well, which I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, it's, it's super no, but I'm smooth. Say, I'm saying, like, I only got to preview things that I was shown, and I never... Just the nature of being busy in the games industry. Never got to check it out as a full game. That's it, a great game. Yeah, It holds up in oh, 2018? Yeah, yeah it's I, absolutely fantastic. 
it doesn't no I mean, game's really taken that kind of realistic physics destruction of buildings mm-hmm. yeah. since I then. kind of I thought Crackdown 3 would take that mantle and run with it but who knows maybe it will in another few years whenever we get it yeah with cloud computing with cloud yes with cloud physics computing I mean honestly they could redo Red Faction Guerrilla just add a mode where there is no gunplay or action you are just going around and demolishing sites and it would be uh, possibly even more fun because mm. there's yeah there's all that exploration on Mars and like yeah you're going around you're fighting the Earth Army whatever they're called but really it's EDF. just about oh is this another chance to smash up a building and and really like you you get your hammer and you get one other thing right at the beginning and it just sort of sets the tone for the rest of it you don't want to be caught out here after dark but it's a good place to find salvage I'm here to mine not hunt for scrap. On Mars, scrap is like gold. Got your sledgehammer and charges? Good. Let's see what you can do. Yeah, that's all you need. Sledgehammer, throw a few charges around, and you can just bring down something huge. Yep. And all, or, or you can drive buildings. a truck into buildings. Yeah, oh, that that's so helps. much fun. Yeah, go the blast core route. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs> that's, that's why I always wanted to check it out. I thought it was the spiritual successor to blast core. In a lot of ways, that's yeah. Is, and and it is really fun, like, oh, you have to take over this outpost that's, like, heavily fortified with these huge barriers. And uh, you could, you know, try to sneak in. You could try to shoot your way through. Or you could just hijack the biggest truck you can find and just smash it straight in through the front gates and, like, take out two of the buildings as you slide through. Yeah. And usually there would be, if I remember correctly, there's usually guys in those buildings. And so rather than just engaging in firefights, all you really had to do is take down the building and they will die when it collapses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this game has the, the option of upgrading your hammer and bombs so you can like carry more remote bombs, uh, which makes them way more useful than any of the... Like, you don't want a machine gun in that game. Why would you? You could blow up buildings with a hammer yeah. or with these timed things and you can like set up 10 of them and then have them all go off at once. It's amazing. Yeah, the machine gun is is useful for like the swatting the pesky flies that swarm in, but I mean it's just a tool. The sledgehammer is the real reason to play the game. Like and those buildings all like they shred like they're made out of fucking balsa wood or something. Just <laughs> just smash right through. It's so good and it feels so fun. And like yeah, the, like I said you you almost don't need the rest of the game. It's it's fine just as a demolition simulator. The only other w- weapon I would recommend is the nano rifle because you can shoot that at enemy planes and they just disintegrate like you can oh, shoot nice. a wing off. Useful. That is yeah. fantastic. I think that's where, you know, the promise of Red Faction up until that game had always been you can dig anywhere and you can dig into the planet and all this. But really, that was the first game that truly understood, well, what was fun about digging, you know, because the the other games were always trying to say, well, you could like dig a tunnel underneath and pop up in, you know, behind your enemies or in a base or something. But this is the first game that's like, well, no, what does it actually mean to use physics to cause mayhem and destruction? Uh, And yeah, it was it was way more fun than engaging in firefights, just going around destroying things. And I just seem to remember that game. There was a lot of sort of a, a micro uh, micro reward system where I just it was all about going around and destroying buildings. And then didn't it give you currency or you got something for destroying yeah, you got, buildings? You got scrap for destroying. Yeah, and the scrap and the scrap. It just felt so good to be like, well, I just need to go collect scrap. I don't need to worry about missions or anything like that. I just need to go get as much scrap as I can. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get, you know, cops after you for smashing buildings. But still, all that wonderful scrap makes it worth it. And it, it is interesting. You mentioned Red Faction. Like, uh, Red, the original Red Faction started with the Geo mod. And I kind of feel like 
that and this are opposites in terms of destruction. Like Red Faction One, you can uh, yeah, you can punch holes in the earth, you can tunnel through dirt and rock and all this stuff, but you can't really hurt buildings. Whereas in this, you can only hurt buildings, and you can't really damage the actual terrain. Yeah, I do remember the illusion of Red Faction, the original, kind of falling apart for me, saying, "Well, wait, I got this thing where I can go into the ground, but I can't even like." put a scratch on concrete it just... yeah it's a little little strange but yeah uh, so it's been a long time since i played far enough to use the nano rifle um is it like you can just point it at the bases of like those cell phone towers that they have all over the place and they'll fall over right yeah it disintegrates like a couple of meters i think you boost it up to make it more powerful but like if you nice. point it at uh you know, the tire of a truck that will disappear or a strut on a bridge or whatever. And it looks amazing. It's uh, one of the best weapons. So that, that, that is one you have to wait for. But the, uh, the sledgehammer and the time yeah. bombs are great. Oh, yeah. Those will tidy over. Oh, yeah. They're great. Yeah. But categorically, they cannot be as great as our number four. <laughs> I know you guys know what this is. You like all suggested this one. I think. I <laughs> oh, do. is that this the Lancer? Lancer? I was thinking this was the one from uh, Dead Space. Yes, the, the plasma. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, it is okay. indeed. Calm down. I'll cut you out of there. Is that a tissue laser? A plasma cutter? Oh my god! Fuck! What the fuck are you oh, doing? Shit! <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like the whole game spent years in development with that weapon, and someone's like, uh, "The marketing team says you need more weapons." Yeah, and it's I, just like, "Why? This is this one's so much fun and works way better." The whole game seems based around that weapon. Mm-hmm. I guess we yeah. have one that's like a concrete saw where you shoot out the blades. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Why would I need that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. For pretty much though, and the thing with this one though is it got more and more powerful as you upgraded it. So just right. its starting form was cool, and and. You know, this this was a different shooter where instead of saying, hey, you're going to get headshots, uh, you you know, it teaches you very quickly, like, no, you need to cut off their limbs. That's yeah. how you kill the enemies. And so this was the most precise and best way to do that. But it got even better and more powerful the more upgrades you added to it to the point where, like, yeah, any, any uh, resources I was collecting to do upgrades, the first place and the best place to sink them is in the plasma cutter, like, with, you know, hands down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say, is Bloodborne on the list at all? No. Because you you do get you have you can change weapons, but like you get one in the beginning of the game and just make it more powerful throughout. And hmm. but you get to pick which one that is. Yeah. You're not just given one. That's true. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, again, Dead Space is a game that has a lot of different gadgets that you can unlock. But somehow, I, if you're like me, like you keep gravitating back toward that first one. And it is it's not only like super precise and really fun to wield, but it's also really versatile. Like you can hit a button and switch the angle on it so you can go vertical or horizontal, which is really useful for like you're dealing with different shaped aliens and you need to cut their shit off in different ways, so just tilt it like okay, this this cuts off an arm, this cuts off a leg. Ah. It's so yeah. perfect. But where's the alien bris attachment? <laughs> 
Mm. <laughs> no, no, I think no, it's the, always the there. You just is... need to aim very carefully. <laughs> very <laughs> carefully. The first game is based on that dismemberment system. So when they give you the equivalent of a shotgun, like, what's the fucking point? Yeah. If he doesn't yeah. sever limbs, like, why would I ever use this? Yeah. Uh, well, the, the ammo's really scarce. And, like, you don't understand games. <laughs> I, I think aim the trade off. body was... mass and wait for them yeah. to get up again. I think the trade off was the other weapons in the game. They were good in very, very specific situations. They were very situational. Whereas the the nice thing about the plasma cutter is it was so versatile where if you did run out of ammo with the other weapons, you could always default back to it and not feel like, okay, I'm underpowered and I'm going to die. I'm go- I'm going to die. You can get yourself out of situations. But there were very specific you know situations with certain enemy types that if you had the other gun, it dealt with them, you know, in a much easier manner, but having to remember all that, that's just bullshit. No, upgrade your plasma cutter and go to work. Yes. Was there a spear gun in that game? That sounds familiar. I, I mean, at that time, a lot of shooters had, uh, I think, fear. I worked on fear, and that was one of the first games. They called it the penetrator, where all it was, it was like the railgun equivalent, where it would just, yeah, like pin enemies to walls and stuff. So a lot of shooters were doing yeah. that. Where hmm. They would have something that you could shoot out that would... Uh, immobilize enemies and pin them up against walls, and that was mostly just like, oh wow, that looks really cool type that, thing. That but, was the best thing about Crackdown's DLC, as I recall. You could yeah. pin enemies to the cars of tires and drive around like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want another Crackdown, goddammit. Yeah, so do we all. Terry Crews is working very hard on it. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, Saints Row 3 also had a weapon called the Penetrator. Totally different yes. meaning. <laughs> Very totally different. Um, interesting thing about the plasma cutter, like watching that, that clip that I played a little bit ago was actually from Dead Space 2. And the way that you get the plasma cutter in both ways is or in both games is kind of mirrored. You might remember in the first game, it uh, it's, ends up kind of like this. The hell? I don't have something to ruin us. Basically, monsters attack, everything goes haywire, and you are unarmed. You have to run away. Uh, in both games, a creature follows you, is, is like right on your tail, and you reach a safe door that it forces open, and then it slams on it, cutting off its limbs and killing it, and then you find the plasma cutter. Um, I, I just thought that was interesting, that that, that repeats. Just mm. in different ways. Like this, in the second game, you're in a straitjacket and you find that poor guy who's strapped to a gurney with the plasma cutter pointed at him and you're just trying to slowly get it out of the machinery in time to save him. And of course you fail because of it's course. a horror game. <laughs> uh, was that the same game that had the – there was a scene where you like it showed a needle going into his eye or something? Yes. I, I seem to remember cringing a yeah. lot during that, that scene. That was two. Yeah, yeah that was that two. Was two. You have to get a needle stabbed through your pupil in order to extract some information about the markers, I think, something like that. It's been a uh, long time. Don't Let's not talk the Dead Space <laughs> story, please. Let's just stay as far <laughs> away from the story as we can and talk about the glory of the gameplay. Yeah, the gameplay is pretty damn glorious. I'll say that for yeah. you. It was basically 2001, but the monolith made you a zombie <laughs> enemy with, with tentacles mm-hmm. or something. That's Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, they were sort of like, is it even right to call the the necromorphs aliens? Like, 
they're like an alien something implanted in human bodies, right? Or are they right. just weird mutations caused by this thing? Oh, uh, I'm trying to remember, actually. Yeah. There is alien a... species. Is species an alien? The lady? Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, I think so. Or is... Yeah. yeah. Uh, a mix of alien genetic code and human genetic code. Hmm. Yeah, this marker that changes your genes. Yeah. That people worship in a Scientology-like yeah. religion. Yeah, and let's let's all worship the thing that's going to turn us into hideous batwing zombies. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the unitologists is what we're talking yeah, about. That's, that's right. that was that's their right. version of Scientology. The unitology. Yeah, I always have to refer to it as unitology, or people get litigious. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Any any other fond memories of the plasma cutter? Any anything you cut that you really liked cutting? Your own arms, like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of shoving giant lithium watch batteries into a weapon to make it better. Yeah. <laughs> whatever those things were you picked up looked like those tiny, stupid, yeah, the, awful batteries. The you nodes, whatever they were called. Yeah, the nodes. Yeah. Sorry, I had to look it up because I was curious. So uh, it was an alien virus. Uh, mm, that yeah. the genetic coding is in the marker, which is the monolith type thing, um, and that infects corpses and turns them into necromorphs. Uh, so they're, they're they're mutated and reanimated corpses that have caught this this virus, this alien virus. Oh, okay. So why did that ship have so many baby corpses? Because I really hate that. Because <laughs> it's gross. They're like the only things the plasma cutter didn't work well on. Yeah, that when I talk about the situational fights, I think yeah, that was a good example of something situational because they didn't have anything. There was there was they I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> there was no limbs. Well, they, they're, they're you little, shouldn't do a podcast. Is <laughs> a fucking ugh. that scene is? I'm still disturbed by that scene. Like it. Yeah, I was. Yeah, let's not talk about it. So was was the arm thing you mentioned, John, referencing uh, Dead Space Extraction? Yes. Yeah, which the, still used the, the uh, plasma shooter? cutter for most of the game. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, re I remember seeing that scene where it's like, it's a quick time event and you're having to chop your arm off. Yeah. It's so gross. I kind of actually remember if you use the plasma cutter or not, but uh, the, that yeah. was the primary weapon for the whole Wii game, and mm -hmm. that game was actually pretty rad. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I heard from people who played it. It's like, oh, you have to play this. and like, I don't know, it's a rail shooter. <laughs> like, no, it it's is. so good. Yeah. I heard that about a lot of Wii games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Metroid Prime, it's a rail shooter. No, it's not. I'm kidding. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking Metroid Prime. Everyone loves Metroid that Prime. That actually might qualify for this list. Uh, I don't know. I feel like the, the additional beams add a lot to that game, and I use the missiles a ton. Uh, true, true. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to move on to our... Number three. All right. That is a... Uh, <laughs> Short. I'm going to play it again. Short but iconic Please. sound. Oh, that's Assassin's Creed, the Hidden Blades. Yeah, see, oh. I told you. It was either that or someone trimming a hedge. Here's your reward. <laughs> that That is my favorite thing with the previous Assassin's Creed games is, yeah, the sort of like killing combos you could go on with the blades where you're just walking through crowds yes. and just randomly stabbing bad guys. And, and that's the one thing I sort of, I'll be honest, I miss in Origins, unless there's a skill that I haven't unlocked yet, you can't necessarily do like a ton of those like rapid kill combos with the hidden blade. 
No, I think I think those are more of a an old school. Like I, the syndicate might have been the last one to let you really do that. Yeah, um, yeah. It was but, really. It felt really good in syndicate. Yeah. So. Uh, the hidden blade was a starter weapon. I think pretty much from two through uh, through four. I don't think you started with it in Unity. I, I'm pretty sure you did in Syndicate, but uh, and also maybe Origins. No, not Origins. I think no. it came later in Origins. You have a sword in yeah. Origins. Yeah, yeah. In one, Altair has to get his finger removed for it. Yeah, well, he already has his finger removed, and I think you you have the hidden blade when you start the first game. But it immediately gets taken away from you, and it's like the second thing you get back with, oh, okay. with really very little fanfare. But then in Assassin's Creed 2, they change up the formula dramatically. Uh, they, they Because uh, in 2, it's not just a weapon for discreetly stabbing people. It is a full-on melee weapon that you can fight with. So you mm-hmm. can you can block with it, you can parry with it, you can just have your hidden blades hit someone hits you with a sword, you block it with the hidden blade, you stab him, and then you start a chain of kills where you stab a bunch of other people. You have two of them, which is super, super cool. It's like uh you know, it's like a Wolverine claw, but it comes out of your wrist instead of so it's like the best of Wolverine and early two thousands movie Spider Man. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> it's Wolverine claws that come out of the Spider Man hole. Uh. <laughs> yeah, can we talk about the 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 need to sacrifice your finger to wear the blade? Because that was something I think they did get away from in later games. Yeah. But that was that was like always this like oh okay yeah I mean that's that's a true mark that now at this point you have become something else you've become this assassin and um, Michael you can cut it out if it's too much of a spoiler but I do like that they they pay tribute to that in Origins it's about probably I don't know maybe 25% into the game, there there is a scene that does involve the finger again. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we can talk about that a little bit, where it's it's not just paying tribute to it, it's showing the origin of it, that uh, he opens the hidden blade while his, uh, his finger is blocking it, and it cuts it off and kills this guy that he's uh, mm-hmm. fighting with. But, uh, but then, like, toward the end of the game... Mild spoiler, if you want to skip ahead 10 seconds, some of the people that he works with are like, we're going to cut off our fingers, too. And he's like, no, you don't have to do that. It's like, no, it's a powerful <laughs> symbol. So that's, don't do that. that's how that yeah. tradition began. Yeah. And but then it, it I think it also was kind of like a it's as much a badge of office as it is like a useful thing, because the way that the original hidden blade was built if, if i remember right is that you had to make a fist and then it pops out uh right where your ring finger would be so that's that's part of how it's hidden because it's like well you can't have something there that'd cut your finger off mm-hmm. and, but then as we see in two things have changed a little bit by the renaissance now all that's left is to remove your ring finger Really? I'm sorry, but this is how it must be done. The blade is designed to ensure the commitment of whoever wields it. Bene. Do it quickly. <laughs> I was only having fun, Ezio. Though the blade once required a sacrifice, it's been modified. You can keep your finger. Incredible. Yes, it is. Uh, so that, that's, I think, one of my favorite scenes in the second game. That, that <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. bit where like Leonardo just like thwacks a hatchet into the table and it's like, ah, just kidding. Yeah. I mean, that scene really uh, nails home the, the point, though. It was viewed as a commitment ceremony. It's like literally mm-hmm. replacing like a wedding ring that would go on your ring finger. Like, no, this is your life now. You're dedicating yep. your life to the assassins. And so I, 
yeah, I mean, the fact that they got away from it, I think that just opened up a lot of, yeah, it's just, hey, we don't need to do this anymore, you know, by, by the second one. But I do like mm-hmm. that they kind of went back and at least showed the origin of, yeah, where the cutting off your finger kind of came from. That was cool. Yeah. And I think it, it's one of those things that's like, don't think about it too much because you might start to realize, like, there are other knives that you can use without having to, to cut off a finger. But uh, Yeah, like throw those taxi driver fucking drawer blades yeah, on your wrist. Yeah, like, exactly. Let's just do it. But how the hell else am I going to go to PAX and impress all of the other cosplayers there if I don't have the proper Assassin's Creed hidden blade, Michael? Yeah, if you, you know what? When that happens, that's on you, Matt. You brought it up, and now it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, now, that's how you really impress the cosplayers is you'd be missing a finger. True. Yeah. I would You'll <laughs> probably get hired by Ubisoft on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I actually lost this in Woodshop, but let's just say it was a sacrifice for the hidden blade. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every shop teacher is basically, I give them a second glance, like, is that guy an assassin? Uh-huh. Yeah, Every I shop lost it to an M80 and an anthill, but like, uh, please give me a job, Ubisoft. <laughs> Every time I, I still have a lot of Assassin's Creed gear, I have like hats and stuff, which that you know they do a really good job. It's just subtle; it just has the logo. So every time I'm out in public and like I can tell like a gamer recognizes that, they're like, oh, I like your hat. I I always like to sort of let on like maybe I'm a real assassin. You don't know this could this yeah. could be a real Ooh. thing. Yeah, I don't actually do that. Please do exist, please don't do that. Sort of. <laughs> Please don't do that. No. Gamer recognized gamer. Gamer. Rec- <laughs> that's that's terrible. Uh, that's a terrible fucking shirt waiting to show up on my Facebook feed. It's terrible, but that's my new forum handle. Hold on, my new forum oh. signature. All right, good. Good All to right. go. Yuck. Copyright VGA. Do not steal. <laughs> that always works. Which I... I just stole and wrote who who made this underneath. <laughs> there you go. That's all you have to do now to get around copyright law. Make a meme and say who made this or who did who this. Uh, well, you know how in Assassin's Creed 2 they like to, uh, in those Apple secret scenes, show people from from more current history being secret assassins? Mm-hmm. I could see them uh, retconning James Doohan's lack of a couple of fingers into him being a, uh, a secret assassin. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Doohan. Yeah, he didn't have to do it, but he's not very good at things, so <laughs> we still let him join because he's Scotty. But you know what are you going to do? But but I think also like so so much of this game, so many of the big emotional beats, especially in, in two, happen toward the beginning. Uh, you know, Ezio losing his family, Ezio getting his his father's assassin costume and hidden blade, and finally Ezio fixing the hidden blade to the point where he can use it. Down the door, you're not dead! I'm still here! Me! Ezio! Ezio at the door! That is, of course, him stabbing to death the man who framed his family and had them all hanged. So don't feel sorry for that guy, even though he just got brutally stabbed a bunch of times in broad daylight. He totally deserved it. He was a dick. Okay. I won't feel sorry for him. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for making me feel better about that. I've been carrying that guilt for years, Michael. I, I just had a breakthrough live on the show. <laughs> but yeah, um, Hidden Blade, I think it's it's uh, occupied a bunch of different places in the history of that franchise. Um, yeah. And for, for my money, I think once it got to, you know, three, especially four and Rogue, like it was just it was such a beast like just always have the hidden blades equipped always fight on them just tear your way through the deck of a pirate ship full of people armed with guns with nothing but wrist knives it's so yeah. good it feels I, so I do, good 
I do like in Origins that they do recognize, like, so, you know, with the weapons, they have basically, I guess it's the power ranking or DPS, whatever you want to call it. But, mm-hmm. like, the, the, the damage that the Hidden Blade puts out, it's like... 10x what a regular sword is you know but it's still not uh interestingly in the new game like it's not a guaranteed insta kill on enemies like there are some big bads that if you if you haven't leveled it up um properly it'll do a ton of damage but it, it won't finish them off and so you might then have to switch over to like a regular sword after doing that initial sneak attack which which i thought was kind of a cool change of pace because with the other game it really was like okay you are going to completely change your play style and just if you want things to be slightly easier just always go for that stealth kill whereas this one doesn't necessarily let you always have the easy out just with the the biggest baddest enemies mm-hmm. yeah and that continues in uh, in the next game too but uh i think it's also cool that the hidden blades are like they've always since two they've always been like a vector for other things to the point where they become like these swiss army knives that just sort of sit <laughs> on your your wrist yes. like oh, so uh i think two introduced you can fire uh, sleep or poison darts from them. Uh, you can get like a gun attached. So it, it's just basically like a, a tiny miniature cannon that you just shoot people with. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's great fun to use. And then later installments, I think in in three, they, they had knives that would like pop out and then swivel on a joint so that Connor could like grab them like actual knives and, and fight like that. Unity introduced the Phantom Blade, which was a little crossbow, and then Syndicate uh, it made it the Rope Launcher, which, so you have the Hidden Blade, but it's also got like this huge windy motor thing that just like fires darts with ropes that you can slide around on. Yeah, that, I really missed that. I love that about Syndicate. Just the, the traversal in the city was, it was made so much cooler by having that as an option to go from rooftop to rooftop. Um, but it wasn't yeah. like, you know, in Batman at one point where you're basically like in Arkham City, you can just start flying around the city. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas in this, it's like, well, you still do have to sort of consider where am I going and what's the path I need to take uh, across the rooftops. And yeah. yeah, that's something I hope they do bring back to future Assassin's Creed because I really felt like I could zip around the environments a lot quicker with that and, and still kind of have that illusion of, hey, I'm up on the rooftops. Most people aren't going to be looking up. They're not going to see me. Mm-hmm. Well, if I, if I remember right, it was kind of solving uh, a problem where you like the, the streets of London, of uh, Victorian London, were really wide. So like the traditional gameplay of like, I'm just sticking to the rooftops. I'm running from building to building would kind of break down if, if you had to run across the street. And it's not all that cool to like, okay, now I'm going to go down, I'm going to run across the street, I'm going to climb back up. So you have the, the rope launcher, you can just zip line across, or you can make a really cool exit after you like drop down and kill somebody, just zip right back up to the roof. Yeah, that was a that was a really, really cool system. Yeah, it, it is funny though, you're right. In that game, especially because of the whole steampunk aesthetic, it didn't do a lot of like. Well, it, it had gadgets that were that were part of the hidden blade, but just some of the designs. Like I think there was like over twenty variations of the hidden blade, and they were all just like more and more elaborate, using you know all kinds of what you think of with steampunk, like exposed gears and things mm. like that. Where you you your uh, your comparison to like a Swiss Army knife uh, is definitely true in Syndicate with the way some of those looked. Yeah gets to the point where you just use it and it just grinds your arm to pieces because it's Victorian machinery and you just <laughs> right. effectively fell in. Uh, <laughs> no. That's right. No, and then a, a giant spider monster robot appears mm-hmm. and you're on a train with Will Smith. Uh, it got really confusing <laughs> for a second. Yeah. You might have veered into watchdogs there for a second. but uh, <laughs> Oh, okay. I was going more for Wild Wild West. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that, that 
makes sense. <laughs> well, anyway, there are no spider robots that I can think of off the top of my head in our next entry. Number two. That ring in any bells for anyone? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me do my surprise <laughs> tone. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the train dart from the Metal Gear series. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing a pile of bodies uh, all just laying on top yep. of one another. You're, you're picturing that correctly. But uh, what happens when you shoot the ice cubes, Michael? That's really what I want to know. Ah, oh, man, that, that demo was really the best, wasn't it? <laughs> it was so yeah, dumb. It's like, too. why are you wasting all of this processing power on this? Because it's awesome. Yeah. It made the well, game nothing, so much better. Nothing is as awesome as telling a horse to take a shit in the middle of a road, which then makes a jeep veer off yeah. out of control wildly. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to say while li- while you're lying face up underneath it, which you can do. Do it, yeah. do it. Um, one thing that I, I was kind of surprised, like uh, it's it's amazing how bad memory can can mess with you because I thought that the tranquilizer gun was always a part of Metal Gear. Uh, it was actually not in the first Metal Gear Solid at all. Like you, if you wanted no. to get through that game non-lethally, you had to choke dudes out or karate them into unconsciousness. <laughs> the actual tranquilizer gun did not appear for the first time until the beginning of Metal Gear Solid 2. All right, mm. let's look at your gear. Your weapon is a tranquilizer gun converted from a Beretta M92F. M9. It's a little hard to work with because you have to reload after each shot since the slide locks. Better than scavenging at the mission site. Good suppressor, too. The chemical stun will take effect in a few seconds and last for hours. You can take down an elephant with that thing. Check out the laser sighting, too. The effects of the anesthetic round will vary depending on what part of the body is hit. We're talking about a difference of tens of seconds between hitting limbs, chest, or head. As for the equipment... Hey, snake? Cigarettes? What's wrong with you? It's kind of a lucky charm. You haven't read the Surgeon General's warning, have you? Ha ha ha! Yes, how droll. If you want to learn more about that, uh, check out recent Laser Time Don't Smoke episode. <laughs> is that a thing? That is a thing, yes. Uh, what was that? Oh, okay. Two or three weeks ago, Chris did the, no- the Don't Smoke episode. I did. And for the two people trying to point out how it's hypocritical that I'm saying don't smoke even though I vape, shut up. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> shut up. Wait. Like, just shut up. Hang on a second. Let me listen to that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I want to know about the trank darts. So most enemies takes one, puts uh-huh. them down. And, of course, as we all know in real life, when you get put to sleep with a trank gun, you have magical Zs that appear above your head so of that course. No, everyone knows you're asleep. It's but just like bosses. when you're surprised that the giant red exclamation point pops That's up. That's right. Yeah. But the bosses. Let's talk about the bosses. What the hell kind of tolerance have they built up where it takes like hundreds of trank darts to take them down? Is this nanomachines? Uh, it might be nanomachines. It might be just that they are tougher than your normal soldiers. And that's why they're specialized foxhound agents who get to wear ridiculous costumes and have ridiculous names and do ridiculous things. Sure. I just tranquilize octopus. They were uh, addicted to ketamine and therefore had a tolerance oh, that, to that it. That could be. But I, I did like that uh, beginning with MGS2 and I think maybe ending with MGS3 that they had a uh, like a second life bar for, for just like if you were tranking them. And 
you could get that down all the way and it was like it counts as a non-lethal kill but they still die so (laughs) (laughs) spoiler alert they still die Sure. Well, yeah. If you're if you're that loaded with drugs, your heart is literally going to stop. Like it's well, it's more like someone else will just kill them. Yeah, but, but yeah, it counts right. as a non-lethal takedown. Well, you didn't kill them. Yeah. You, yeah. Well, that's you, true. You got to get um, those achievement points somehow. But yeah, it, it was it was popular enough in two that when uh, Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes uh, came out on GameCube, they added it back in. So it was a weapon that was not there before could become indispensable in a, mm. in a game that wasn't really built for it. Yeah, I don't I don't mean to sound like true gamer, but I will say the Trank Gun is sort of easy mode if you compare it with Metal Gear Solid 1, like the fact that you oh, had 100%. to... Oh, 100%. You had to karate, guys. Um, but yeah, with this one, you can do that from a distance, but uh, I mean, it's still, it's not easy because if they are just asleep and, and other enemies spot them, they'll wake them up and they'll go on alert. That kind of thing. Um, the other thing, I always, it just feels weaker than the other guns, even though when you can put dudes to sleep. I always have this like anxiety because wasn't it, was it two or three where you could start sneaking up on enemies and hold them up from behind? It was, and, it was two. To get their dog tags, I think. Yeah, um, you could also just, do it from the front if you like popped out from behind cover right in front of them. Right. I always just had this like anxiety where they wouldn't, believe me they're like no that's not a real gun and then they would just uh, start fighting with me because sometimes it didn't it didn't always work like if you didn't sneak up just perfectly to do it if they could see the trank gun after a while they would realize it wasn't a a lethal weapon and fight you Mm. ah that makes sense hey that's no mel gibson (laughs) (laughs) there was some when i was looking at uh youtube videos to to grab sounds for this i did see somebody discovered a glitch in the twin snakes where, like, if you're in the hangar using stealth camouflage, you can run around and uh, you, if you hold dudes up, they'll they'll go into their hands up state. And then if you shoot them in the foot, they will just freeze like that. So then <laughs> other guards will come up and kick them, at which point they fall down and, and become unconscious. And then the guards will kick them again. And so this guy was, like, setting up, like, dominoes, like a bunch of <laughs> a couple of different soldiers just standing stock still and having another guy come up and kick them. It was pretty great. <laughs> I, I hope in that YouTube video he had Ottawa's hands up throughout the entire uh, video. Ottawa? Yeah. Everyone's favorite band from, you know, the uh, Club Med theme, if you will. Oh. Oh, I see. I see. Um, I thought you were talking Otacon. Yeah, Otacon. so did I. Otacon, hands up. Ottawa. Now piss yourself in this locker. Ottawa? Michael, you just asked it incorrectly. You just have to say Ottawa? Ottawa? Ottawa. <laughs> Hands up, baby. Hands up. Hand check. Hand check, snake. Hands. Oh, no, snake. Hand check. Middle. What are you doing in that locker? <laughs> locker. <laughs> I just want the Metal Gear where Snake just repeats the last thing everybody said as a question. It's great. Right. I mean, he, he called, basically. There's does. a video called Solid Gear Metal, and it's amazing. <laughs> snake, are you feeling all right? All right. All right. <laughs> Diarrhea. <laughs> Diarrhea. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is interesting. Like, for some reason, the and it might be just because I've played it for more than 100 hours, but uh, that tranquilizer sound in Metal Gear Solid 5 and Ground Zeroes. With the, the weird little chemical bubbly sound, like, yeah. that that's what I've, I just instantly recognize that, and yet I don't think it was in any previous game. You, you just had, well, this. 
Yeah, and yeah. then like he, the the snap of you pulling back the slide to, to cock it again. Right. Yeah. It's it it's just sounds sort of like a silenced pistol versus mm-hmm. yet that that new version. You're right. It it that's a perfect description. It's more like chemically you can hear like the liquid going into their neck at that point. Yeah. 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 And and that's how you also know that the poisons finally or the tranquilizers finally take an effect because you hear that sound if like you shoot them in the leg and wait a bit, then when they fall over you hear the the chemical sound. I you know what this is making me think of is it's who knows if it's realistic or not, but it seemed like it uh, that scene in old school where Will Ferrell shoots himself in the neck with a trank dart. Oh yeah, and just that noise oh, and like the. It was like you could feel the compressed air coming out of that gun <laughs> and that Jesus. dart just like the thunk it makes when it buries itself in his neck is like, no, that's how it would sound. <laughs> like it's this mm. giant dart just like thunk. Yeah, but I, I love the trank darts because they're so discreet in, in five, especially you can shoot someone uh, with it and they can not even know that they've just been shot. They're like, huh? What was that? Huh? I yeah. guess it was nothing. And then, you know, 30 seconds later, they fall over. Uh, or you can just hit them in the head and they'll immediately go down and be fine. Uh, even though you just injected tranquilizer directly into their brain. <laughs> really, it should be like an ass shot is an instant down because you've got so many blood vessels and muscle tissue in your ass. That's why doctors like to inject that stuff there. Ah. Uh, yeah, now you know. Always, I just always assumed it was you just got some added cushion there so maybe it hurt less i I guess i didn't know that i mean have you ever tried to sit down after a tetanus booster come on uh good point yeah i don't know if you actually get tetanus boosters in your ass i don't think you do but uh i think those get in your arm i I, yeah yeah i don't know i've I've only had to get one once or twice like i i I have like stepped on a rusty nail and had to go get a tetanus booster i don't remember ow i think i was more worried about stepping on the rusty nail than where they were giving me the shot Hmm. yeah that's understandable well, uh, rusty nail or tetanus booster <laughs> on the end of it, you wouldn't want to get hit in the ass with this next thing. <laughs> Who recognizes that sound? Not me. Not you. That sounds like a crossbow firing. Is that is that from a Dishonored game? It is not. Hmm. Well, here's here's another hint with a tutorial telling you how to use it. Launch the grapple. While reeling yeah. in, open your parachute. <laughs> ah. Ah, good. Now, try again. Must rule out uh, beginner's luck. Yeah, this is uh, Just Cause, the grappling hook and parachute, which... For my money, like I think, I think uh, the hidden blade is amazing. I think the tranquilizer gun is uh, indispensable in Metal Gear. But this is a gadget that makes the entire series. Like, yeah, just cause is is really fun. You're blowing up a lot of stuff, but would it be as much fun without the grappling hook? No, I mean that's what that game is all about. It was like, hey, we're going to give you this cool thing that you're going to use to get across the levels to the point where. In Just Cause 3, they give you tons of other gadgets and fun ways to get around, but you always end up reverting back to that, the grappling hook with the parachute. Like, that's yeah. just, and and just the feel, like, when you when you shoot at it like a mountain, like, or something higher than yourself, and do that, like, slingshot move, 
uh, to build up speed and then you know, get some altitude. Like mm-hmm. that's one of the best feeling things in video games. And then you you open your parachute at the top and and it just uh, takes you coasting upward. Like I think yeah. th- this is actually the one of the first things I thought of when I uh, thought of this this concept. Uh, or was inspired to it um, because like Just Cause 2 for, for most of when I was playing that game like I did not steal cars I, I stole some planes and flew around in them but like for the most part getting around the countryside like I just if, if you just like latch the grappling hook onto the ground it like pulls you along and it's like a kite where you just open your parachute in the middle and you start flying and then you can just keep pulling yourself along the ground with your grappling hook and just you're basically just floating across the landscape really fast. And it's yeah. super fun. It's way more fun than just, like, holding down a button to drive a car. Does 2... Uh, 3 introduces the wingsuit, or was that mm-hmm. also in 2? That was in 3. Yeah, I mean, that that is where it starts to get, like, you have some really cool, like, combos, quote-unquote, you can pull off uh-huh. with, with using, like, the grappling hook, parachute to wingsuit, gliding for a bit, figuring out, okay, where do I need to get more altitude heading that direction using the grappling hook again and it actually is like this juggling act you have to do with your fingers on the controller to be like and if yep. you mess it up once you'll you'll lose that momentum and it mm-hmm. but it's still fun oh it's super fun yeah and i mean the grappling hook is basically a it's a physics toy because in addition to uh to pulling yourself around you can grab people with it you can do like a scorpion get over here thing and just yank them toward you you can tether them to other objects, which is super fun. So, like, you can tether two soldiers together and knock them both out. Or you can tether them to a uh, compressed gas canister and then shoot it. And it'll just fly the soldiers into the stratosphere. Um, mm. oh, That's right. And, and the third one uh, did a lot with the tethering where it got really complex. Where, yeah, you could, like, yeah, yeah you, could, you could attach it to, like, a truck on one end of a bridge and then attach it to a truck on the other end and they will pull each other toward... Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll go toward yeah. each other and it'll result in like this huge explosion and and yeah it's it is a it's another physics toy it's much like the sledgehammer um in red faction gorilla it's like they give you lots of fun it's they know they're like well this is a sandbox game like yes rico rodriguez the technically there's a campaign but no one really cares what happens to rico everyone just wants to have fun and play in that sandbox with the fun toys they give you yeah play with the physics toy blow up all the things that blow up and fall over Sort of like uh, Red Faction that way, except with more explosives. And uh, also, uh, yeah, like you said, in in 3, you get a very important upgrade that really ups the destruction factor. What did you do to me? Ah, This is a march of technology. Your grappler has been updated. Ah, There is less chance for a violent limb detachment. You can now tether two items and retract. Mm. Ah, Your friend Mario suggested we call it Hachino 3. Although that name will likely not make it past legal. Near as I can tell, Hachan O3 is it's a reference to a character from One Piece who's like an octopus man. But uh, I don't know. Maybe someone else knows what that is referring to. Um, I don't know. It's funny. So we're talking about Just Cause 2. That is one of the things we considered for last week's show with the island episodes. Because Just mm-hmm. Cause 2 does take place entirely on a tropical island, uh, Panua. Or Pan- P- yeah. Panau. Panau, yeah, sorry, thank which, you. Which, by the way, if you look up Panau uh, yeah. in Google Image Search, you find out that it's like a, a Malaysian name for, like, vitiligo. Like, people are just posting their skin disease pictures online. Uh, so that's great. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I, all the Just Causes 
Well, the first two just causes take place in tropical environments. I think the first one's in South America, the second one's in Panau, and which is Southeast Asia, and the third one's in Medici, which is kind of Italy, kind of Tuscany. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but it's it's Rico's uh, home country, and it's where they have the mysterious mineral Bavarium, which <laughs> should be in Bavaria, I think, but I'm just a pleb. It's like unobtainium or something. It's like a limitless power source that's in the wrong hands, but it'll power your uh, your grappling hook. So they finally have an explanation for that thing and why it never runs out of juice. It's funny. You were, you were talking about the locations the game take place, and it sort of relates to the point I was about to make about Rico is I'm never clear where he's from. Um, because he has like this accent that sometimes sounds Latino, sometimes sounds Italian. Uh, and then like literally, I I don't know if they retconned it, but like in the game's lore and his backstory, he is born in Mexico, but then he claims he was raised in Medici. So he's got like, he's a little bit of both. And and the accent, depending on the scene, he goes either way. It's like, oh, okay. I think he's Italian in this scene. And then sometimes it's like, oh, he sounds, he sounds Hispanic. Like what the hell? What is Rico? (laughs) Yeah, well, his his voice actor changes from game to game. Also, like, I I thought that like for me, for me the performance in two was like, oh, that's that's Rico. He kind of sounds like this, and he's sort of pissed off all the time. Um, but <laughs> strong. Dad. He had he had yeah, kind of <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh. <laughs> but he he had a, a different voice in the first game, and he looked more like Antonio Banderas in Desperado. And then mm-hmm. yeah, the the second game he he had that. Uh, like he he was just this like really hard bitten Latino guy, and then the third one he's like, "Hello, I am Italian stereotype. Welcome to my country. <laughs> when you're at Olive Garden, your family." Uh, I approve. <laughs> but so yeah, that, well, that's why just, I was confused. Yeah, is it does yeah, change? It's not yeah. just my imagination. <laughs> I he, was like, he was much more cheerful and friendly in the third game, whereas in the second one he's like, "I don't care if you live or die." <laughs> <laughs> I'm a CAA spook. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's it's weird that you have such a series-defining tool. And, like, in the very first game, it shows up with almost no fanfare, like several missions in. You know, they keep sending me new equipment for you. I don't know why. You'll just break it. Check it out anyway. Yeah, and then it's like, you have a grappler in your inventory now. Like, well, I think maybe the reason it is presented with such little fanfare is bef- they. I don't think the series had its identity yet as being the, oh, this is the true sandbox where you're playing around. Like it, mm-hmm. I, I think with the first game, it was trying to compete with the GTAs of the world and really figure out what it was as a game and series. And then the fact that then people really latched on to that is like, oh, no, this is what's cool and fun about the game. It slowly received more and more prominent prominent placement and features in the game because you know yeah that's they figured out oh that's what people want to do they want they want to play a game that opens with you riding the wing of an airplane uh, shooting another plane down and then eventually jumping off parachuting and grappling everywhere you know on cliffs and that's what that game is you know mm. it's a little bit like like Far Cry Far Cry has good stories don't get me wrong but like Far Cry is a sandbox where I'm playing with the toys available to me most yeah. of the time. Well, and, and Just Cause also, even in the first one, it did something which I think more open world games need to do, which is uh, it let you jump on top of your vehicles and uh, then jump onto other vehicles from that. Mm. And I think, I think if I remember right, that the grappling hook kind of enabled that by letting him hang on to 
planes and things like that, possibly even steer cars, but I might be misremembering that. I, no, I think I think you're right. I remember that too that you can use the grappling hook to to basically hijack like helicopters in the air. Like that's mm-hmm. what I remember doing the most is like, "Oh, here's the thing." And the yeah, normally in a game, if you're on the ground and like an enemy is up in the air with a helicopter or a plane, you're you're toast, right? But in this game, you can actually kind of like say, "Oh, thank you. Thank you for bringing me this fun weapon that I can now kill everybody else with." And just yeah, you grapple up there, you you airjack it, if you will, and and then you go to town. This changes everything. <laughs> this device will let me tear the outpost apart. Without bullets. And in that scene, you're, you're basically using uh, the, the improved grappling hook to tether uh, big red barrels to gigantic uh, fuel silos. And they retract and everything explodes. And it's so so that, was, that was Just Cause 3, Rico, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yes. We're, we're going to play a, a segment, upcoming segment, uh, which Rico, <laughs> Rico is this? <laughs> yeah, guess the Rico. That sounds totally. like Italian, Rico. You got a real. <laughs> that yeah. was that yeah. was Taste Italian, Napoli. Sure. So you you were saying, uh, John, you played this for the first time recently, uh, or you had played it before? I've played it before, but I I put it in this week just uh, to try it out, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I can't get that timing on the uh, the parachute and grapple combo. It just I, it I my fingers don't move fast enough. But the tethering, oh, I can do the tethering, and that yeah, is the fantastic. You damn straight. When I want to surf the internet using my cell phone, no one can tether like me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but I used to love tethering cars to other cars and making them like crash and drag each other around. But then I realized, like, oh, it's actually faster to just tether the car to the road and then just stop from <laughs> mm. short. Like if you're being pursued, it's great for that. Yeah, all all your talk of jumping and, and hopping from car to car just is making me think of Sleeping Dogs, and now I want to go play Sleeping Dogs. So thanks mm-hmm. for that, Michael. You're welcome. Weird. I want to play Pursuit uh, Force. Oh, (laughs) that was a fun PSP game. Yes. They should have made it for Vita. Uh, But the like, it it is weird. Like you you mentioned, it's it's difficult to go back to Just Cause Two. Like for me, I playing playing it on PC, it still looks pretty good. Um, But I think even going back to the original is is really difficult because that is from the early Xbox 360 era. So like. When everything just looked like up-resed PS2 graphics, and everyone's like really chunky and rounded, and you Didn't know, just cause PS2 one models. get both a Xbox original and 360 version. I believe it did. Yes, so it was yeah, it was just era. an up-resed PS2 game, most likely. Yeah, um, yeah, and like for me, that that's just super hard to go back to. <laughs> yeah, I can't. It's too ugly. But um, that is our top five. If anyone has any fond memories of other gadgets that we didn't get to, now's the time to talk about them. Oh, boy, do I. Uh, Because I did send you a bunch, Michael. So I was a little surprised, a little Uh disappointed. I was thinking the... uh, the for sure, the Blades of Chaos would be on here. Yeah, that that was a, a narrow miss. Like it, it almost made it on. Then it's like I gotta give it to the hammer. Instead, the Blades of Chaos are great, and they're they're also emblematic of it because, especially in the first God of War, like you got the blades, and then you got all these other weapons. It's like I hate these other weapons. I don't ever want to use them while I have the Blades of Chaos. What's the point? I I think maybe one reason the Blades of Chaos wouldn't make the list for me anymore is because there is an heir to the throne, the Leviathan mm-hmm. Axe. I thought was the better weapon from uh, this year's God of War. I 
I found myself, I mean, what was nice is they kind of specialized them where the Leviathan Axe was really good at dealing one-on-one damage, and, and it had some AoE stuff, but uh, the Blades of Chaos I used primarily for taking care of a bunch of kind of lower-level mobs in my vicinity because it was really good at uh, big, you know, wide-sweeping AoE attacks and stunning enemies, uh, but I... Man, that Leviathan Axe and that Leviathan Axe returning to your hand from like a mile away in the in-game world is mm-hmm. it's pretty satisfying. That's true. And and that's another one. You start the game with that axe and then when you upgrade it, it's pretty badass. So yeah, there's badass. there's no reason to use another one. And um, one, one that you mentioned to me was Master Chief's handgun in Halo. Yes, which, yes the M6. Like I, I, I don't think I ever used that. I used it constantly in multiplayer as well. Huh. Yeah, that's, that one was good. known, I think it was my, maybe known more in multiplayer as, hey, this is the starter weapon that's super powerful. Though in the single player campaign, um, it was ridiculously accurate at giving headshots. And so it was, in some situations, just the better weapon to use uh, hmm. if you wanted to take out little grunts. See, I'd, I'd always use uh, Master Chief's assault rifle. Like, no matter what other weapons popped up, it's like, I'm just no. using this needler because I'm out of regular ammo. <laughs> the M6 is a mad scope. It's awesome. Yeah. I love that Well, shit. to the point where they sort of nerfed it for future Halo games where it was it, it was never as powerful as it was in Halo 1. Yeah. Huh. First Halo game, like, people people got hit with that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Might and, have to go back for, and try that, that again. <laughs> On that Microsoft note, the fucking Lancer. Use any other weapon, you're a piece of shit. Yep. It, yep. yep. It is, it's the best weapon in the whole fucking game. Uh, and I can't really explain why, because I feel like those all those animations of me cutting people would get boring, but they never did. Yep. It's, the it's it's the melee attack. Yeah, there's nothing more satisfying than chainsaw well, and enemy in pieces. I think it's, it's the invincible frames. You can like make yourself invulnerable to attacks. <laughs> For like almost a minute, yeah, <laughs> like thirty seconds, yeah. just by sawing through the head of somebody because you couldn't aim. Yeah, and especially like if you could get in close to a group of enemies, like a lot of games use the term carnage in marketing and stuff, but that is like true carnage because you could literally, with using those invincibility frames, just kind of combo from enemy to enemy, sawing yeah. enemies in half over and over again until you're just standing there in a pool of blood. It was uh, it was pretty gruesome stuff, but always fun. Which game was this in? Gears, Gears of War. Of War oh, darling. Gears, oh, Gears of War. Of course, Gears of War. Look at yes, Chainsaw. Chainsaw. You oh my God, yes. You wouldn't have heard of it. It's an indie. No, darling. you're right. You're right. Um. That is that is 100 an awesome, awesome starter weapon that I never abandoned. Yeah, I mean, in terms of its range damage, it's just okay. It really is like bullet spo- Like most enemies are bullet sponges for for that weapon. It's mostly for laying down fire so you can get a better position on an enemy well, and then I think, you get I think closer it was just that. You don't see another weapon for a long time in, the, in, in any of the first games, so you tend to learn the active time reload on that thing very mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. And everything else feels awkward as fuck afterwards. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, I um, would just... I would die so many times in that game because my MO was just like, all right, there's a bunch of enemies. I'm stuck behind cover. I'm going to just charge out holding down B and just saw in half the first thing I run into. Yep, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> and then trying to do it in multiplayer and getting into chainsaw fights with people. Yep. yep. Uh, I sent you another one, Michael, that um, I really enjoyed using and pretty much used the entire game is the Dragon Sword from Ninja Gaiden. Hmm. Um, and that's one of those where 
in the first – well, the, the remakes of, of Ninja Gaiden, I should, I should clarify, where um, if you keep upgrading it, eventually like for the end game, it, it has what they call like the true dragon sword form. And it's like the ultimate powerful weapon, which, which is sort of a trope that I thought we'd see a few of those entries on here. Like something that when you first get it is OK and then they bring it back later in the game and say, oh, this is this uber powerful version of the thing. It's uh, like in no, RPGs you, where it's like, no, keep your starter sword because you'll upgrade yeah. it to the special paladin sword later on. I'm always afraid to throw away starter gear, even <laughs> if I know it's trash in RPGs yeah. for exactly that reason. No, but the dragon sword is a viable weapon the entire game because you can continue to upgrade it. Uh, and it has like one of the best. It had this. Uh, I don't know the exact name of the attack, but you would kind of jump and instantaneously. I want to say it was like the Y button and it would just do this zipping thing that went right at like head level and you could decapitate most enemies with one hit. Um, it's just, yeah, and it's fun to use like the nunchucks and, and the hammer and other weapons they give you in the game. But I always went back to the dragon sword. Like it, to me, it was just the best weapon for those for those games. And just thinking of like, oh man, keeping the worst starter gear. Like, why do you, what is this in your inventory? Wooden armor, leather sword. Yeah. What the fuck? Throw this out. How did you survive? <laughs> Um, and then one final one I had, and it's I don't know if it really counts because it's usually found toward the beginning of the games, but bows in Far Cry hmm. are one of those weapons that once you find it, you can use it the entire game and it's viable because it's pretty much a one-shot kill for most enemies. And it is the way – I mean it's what you have to use if you're going to play like stealth and take down mm-hmm. enemies you know, as you're trying to invade bases. And especially like in Far Cry 5 – I don't know if I was lucky or if it's intentional, but like one of the first like little places I found when you first you know emerge in the world from the bunker or whatever had a bow, and yeah, you can upgrade that bow, but like I I always keep a bow in my inventory to have that stealth option to me. Yeah, I don't. I I think other than primal though, is it a starter item in any of those games? I I don't know if you just get it right off the bat or not. That's that's why it technically doesn't qualify, but I always feel like. It's early enough in the game where you you can just you can get it within a fir- you know a few minutes into any of those games and you will keep it the entire game. Yeah, I mean, I won't argue it being an extremely satisfying weapon. Like if you learn how to aim it just right, so it's like okay, if I aim this much a- 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 above this guy who's like hundreds of feet away, he's just a speck on the horizon, but I think I can angle this, and you let it go, and you just watch it arc through the air and then it's like bam headshot like oh that's the best feeling in the world mm-hmm. and and the thing is you you don't need to headshot them to take them down like you can i think you yeah. can like literally hit the enemy in the leg and yeah. they will go down and be insta kill but it's still just as satisfying it's like well mm-hmm. all right that felt a little cheap but i like yeah. it and plus it's, i mean you know what happens when you take an arrow in the knee it's almost as good as being discovered in Metal Gear Solid Five, and in that brief little window that you have, you turn around, you aim your trait gun, and you hit him perfectly in the forehead. <laughs> That's been our top five. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let's just segue straight to the question of the week. We're recording this in advance, so we have not had a chance to collect uh, the, the last week's question of the week answers about, um, what was it, your favorite tropical islands? Uh, no, it so, is if you, if you could visit any tropical location right. in a video game, where would it be? Yeah, uh, and John, do you have an answer for that, or do you want to think about it? I'll think about it for a moment. Okay, fair enough. Again, recording in advance, so the show's been up for a few hours at this point. We're going to let that one percolate, and we will ask another question of the week, which you can answer while you wait to hear your answers from last week. Red, you'll never guess the question. It, you never will. 
It's uh, what color? <laughs> you are so uncomfortable with me saying it ten minutes ago. <laughs> what color underwear am I wearing right now? Whoa! Mm. Everybody knows that uh, you're dick colored. Nothing. That's the, it's a trick, trick question. People, question. you're right. For that shit you're right. anymore. I'll never fall for it again. Uh, no. The, the question obviously is: What is your favorite starter gadget from a game? Um, yeah, I'm going to say Blades of Chaos because I didn't get to say it earlier, but I've already made the case for that, so somebody else should go. Lancer, baby. Lancer, baby, you know why. Um, even though I do love that dragon sword, I'm going I'm going with the M6 from Halo. Uh, it is something that I always, when I first start playing a Halo game, check the, the power of the handgun and see if it is a viable option and just long for those days of like, okay, I want it to feel like Halo 1 again. Aww. Uh, John, do you have one? I'm going to say uh, Kiryu's original stance. His first stance, the basic one. Ah, the yeah! best way to smash people's faces into doors and things. You got to gotta have the face smashing. Yeah, especially like Yakuza 0. I kept trying to like use the beast or the, the was it the breakdancing stance. Which but is it's like fun. I always just go back to the, the basic brawler stance. It works so well and it, it does, does everything. And it feels like Streets of Rage have- only... You know, PS4 graphics, so uh, it's mm-hmm. pretty rad. It's like I don't have to worry if I'm in brawler mode. It's like, oh, when I try to grab this thing, will I actually do a fast kick? <laughs> no, I'll just grab the bicycle and hit someone over the head with it. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's actually a great one. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> yeah. So what is your favorite uh, starter gadget or stance or weapon or attack from a video game? Let us know. Go to VidgeGameApocalypse.com. Look under the article for episode 278 and answer in the comments. Alternately, uh, we'll have started a thread on the Facebook page, the official Laser Time Facebook community. Um, or official Laser Time community on Facebook, sorry. You can, you can answer the thread there, or you can hit us up on Twitter at VG Apocalypse. So that's been our show. Uh, let's go out with some plugs. John, you're the guest. Where can people find your stuff? Well, if you want to uh, hear us play through a classic RPG, uh, one chunker at a time, you can go uh, look up Square Roots on iTunes and Google Play and all that. And uh, we're pretty dumb. There's a lot of singing, and it's really stupid, but in a good way, hopefully, that uh, won't annoy you. And also, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Johnny Firebird. I sometimes post Barra erotica, so uh, just watch out for that. Bear erotica. Nice. Chris, you guys? Hey, baby. You can check out our Patreon. We should have a new movie commentary coming for you very soon. But until then, you can get um, uh, Mission Impossible. I ju- uh, Deep Deep Blue Sea. That's the, that's the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. The one I just watched. Sorry. the me- I'm, I'm, I'm flooded with Meg thought. Was there a and, parrot? Uh, no. Yes, there was. It saved the day. Yes. <laughs> then you're in Deep then Blue died. Sea. Um, and, uh, and and then I was going to say, we just keep seeing a lot of movies, so yes. uh, we do that on our, our show, Bonus Time, which is a Patreon incentive. If you uh, sign up for the price of a cup of coffee every month, you can support all of these shows, 30, 20, 10, uh, Laser Time, Video Game Apocalypse, yeah, in, and you get a bunch of bonus shit. In fact, on last week's 30, 20, 10, you covered the movie Blade, which we did a Monday night movie right. for at the beginning of this year with uh, Diamond Dog Dave Rudden. That's what I was getting to because Blade was uh, really fucking fun to revisit. Like I, I hated it initially, but like 
It's a really fun slice of nineties. It's it's a totally respectable small superhero movie, and it literally started the MCU. Yeah, it put yeah. It, it got money interested in making Marvel movies. Period. Uh, you know, That's wow. what movie you know did. what? I, I saw a thread started on the official Laser Time Facebook group that um I'd, I'd be curious what you guys' answers were. So on the show, you said you can't imagine who they would even get to play Blade anymore, and so people were wondering yeah. that. Um, I threw out. I, I think Michael B. Jordan. Uh, would be great for it. He's got the physique from Apollo. He's obviously a comic book fan, and, and he, I mean, the only thing now against him is he was already uh, in a Marvel thing with, yeah, with he Black was Panther. He can't be yeah. two characters. Yeah, what do you think he is, people, Josh Brolin? Unless you're who does he think he is, yeah, Chris Evans? <laughs> who do you think he is, Idris Elba? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess he can be two characters. Uh, but but I, I I don't know who I don't know his name. But there's this cold ass character on the show Get Shorty, which I somehow fell into a marathon of while playing Dead Cells. Uh, that guy rules. Whoever that guy is, he should be Blade. Okay. All right. So who do you um, think should be Blade? Let us know. <laughs> yeah, let us know in the comments. <laughs> okay, so if you want to follow me personally, I'm on Twitter at Matty C. Allen, and that's Matty with a Y. Uh, or um, by the time you're hearing this, let's see, you'll have one more week. If you will be attending PAX West, I will be representing Vigigame Apocalypse on a panel with the USGamer.net crew alongside Waypoint's Austin Walker, where we will be talking about Mass Effect, one of the greatest RPGs of all time, as part of US Gamer. Uh, Acts of the Blood God uh, breakdown of the best RPGs of all time, of which I was also on a recent episode to discuss World of Warcraft. Hmm. I have to remind you that you're contractually obligated to say more like Ass Effect at least once during that panel. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it'll probably be streamed, and yeah, you can uh, you can audit me on that one, Michael. <laughs> or or more like Warcraft. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking Ass Effect because of all the sex in the game. Because Fox News, sex box, am I right? Come on. Get over it, Michael. That was years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so was Mass Effect. What are you going to do? Like, Fox News is literally campaigning for Nazis right now. Get in the know. Oh, you're wow. right. You're right. You're right. Uh, Matthew, if you could do me a favor and mention the planet uh, with the archives on it, where everyone looks like they're sitting on the toilets, all these precursors are all the, sitting on... The Planet of the Apes new comic book that's coming out? Please plug that in. <laughs> please, please. That too. I'll uh, see what I can do. I'll, I'll see if it it's, comes it's, up, but yeah, that, it's that, would, be on, that would definitely be on brand for, for Video Game Apocalypse, so Matt, I, I gotta well, it's figure Dana out Gould, It's Dana Gould adapting Rod Serling's original script set in the 1950s, which, oh, it looks amazing. I want that thing so bad. Matt, while you're on the panel, could you plug a ham and Swiss with a side of uh, Lay's and a nice <laughs> tea? Say, you guys got any other requests? Want me to say, tell, <laughs> say hi to Austin? Uh, you know, give give Cat a high five. I'm I'm, I'm here for you sure. guys. I'm I'm, I'm here to do serve. both of those things. Aren't Great. you glad you we'll mentioned do. them? <laughs> yeah, say hi to Cat Bailey, host of Axe the Blood God, another great podcast about RPGs. Yeah. The one I, yeah, that's the one I was on to talk World of Warcraft. And and Cat Bailey, who's been on Vigigame Apocalypse as well. And she is a wonderful guest. We want to have her back soon. Has Nadia yes, Oxford do. been Maybe. on? Uh, that, is, that is a current someone I, that we want to get on the show. She so. is fantastic. Hmm. She's really yep. fun. Yeah. Yep. My first interaction with her was to go, well, actually, that show was called Saturday Supercade back in like 2005 before I knew that was bad. Always a good opener. Yeah, actually, she will be on that panel as well. So if you are a Nadia Oxford fan, please come out to the panel. The Saturday 5 Hippogriff Theater at PAX West or Prime West, whatever they're calling it these days. 
All right. Well, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or me personally at Wikiparas. Thanks for listening, everybody. You've been a great audience. We'll see you next week. Metal Gear. Vigigames. Apocalypse.